Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well, and I hope it isn't too weird and confusing having the Arscast on a different day. You see, this week we're releasing the Arscast on a Thursday as opposed to a Friday. So anyone sitting there going, oh look, the Arscast has just popped up in my iTunes or my Pocket Casts or wherever it is that you listen to the Arscast, and you're thinking, oh, it's Friday already? Fantastic. I hardly noticed this week going by. I've got bad news. Bad news. It's it's Thursday today when this Arscast is released. You could be listening to it any time, of course, but it is Thursday today. The reason that we're releasing the Arscast today is because this weekend, uh, myself and James uh, from Gunner Blog are going to be in New York uh, recording a live Arscast Extra. We're going to be doing that on Sunday in a bar called The Barley Corn in Park Place, New York. So if you're in the area, feel free to come along. I'll give you some more details a bit later on. But uh, Thursday, today, I'm going to be traveling and then when you get there, you know, you've got the, the whole jet lag thing and the whole, well, uh, how do I cope with jet lag? There's only one real way to do that as far as I'm aware. Uh, certainly when you travel from this side of the Atlantic to that side is you stay awake as long as you can to get yourself sort of in the, in the clock of, uh, of America and you drink beer because beer has been scientifically proven this isn't just me theorizing. It has been scientifically proven by actual scientists to combat the effects of jet lag. So you drink some beer and you stay awake and then eventually you go, oh, look, it's only eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the evening. But of course, it's two o'clock in the morning because you've been, you know, traveling from this side and, the and then you go to sleep. And then hopefully when you wake up, you're sort of on the right clock. You're on the right time. So what I didn't want to do was to do anything that would mess up that very, very uh, exact scientific process in any way, like having to record or uh, finish off a podcast in some way. So I said, look, the best thing for me to do would just be to get the podcast out a day early. And that's, uh, that's one less thing to worry about. But it's going to be great. New York City. Wow, what a place. It really is a fantastic place. And I'm kind of hoping to, uh, to meet my heroes over there. You never know. I mean, I, I could run into them. It's not, I mean, it's not impossible, is it? It's the city where anything can happen. That's right. Who doesn't go to New York and hope that they run into Cagney and Lacey? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe that's just me. Probably is. 
But it should be good fun. I'll give you some more details of the podcast uh, happening in the barley corn in New York uh, a little bit later on. Uh, also, 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 uh, I'm going to be talking to Philippe Claire in this week's episode. We're going to be talking about the state of the squad. Is there something weird and strange going on with Olivier Giroud? We'll examine that and we'll look ahead to the game against Chelsea this weekend. We're also going to be playing FanDuel, one day fantasy football in which you can win actual real life money. I can't, but you can. I only can't because I'm terrible at fantasy football. I'll give you details of that and how you can sign up and get refunded even if you don't win. Uh, and the chance to win like hundreds and hundreds of pounds by playing FanDuel. That's, uh, that's a little bit later on. So, since the last Arscast, what has happened? Well, we've gone away from home. I wonder if we've ever done this before. Statisticians... Arsenal stats heads and those who know everything about every result and every fixture that we've ever played. Has this ever happened before? Two games away from home. Both times the team has scored four goals away from home, but with two completely different starting 11s. I would be very surprised if that's happened before, we've set a new, well, I don't know, a new record. It's not a record, is it? It's just a thing that we did. But I don't think we've ever done that thing before. I could be wrong. But my suspicion is that in the many, many years of Arsenal's existence, this is the first time that that's ever happened. Scoring four goals in consecutive away games with two completely different starting 11s. So uh, if I'm wrong, or if I'm off the beaten track here, please tell me. But those of you who are into that kind of thing, who know all the records and the results, um, maybe you could confirm that. That's a thing, isn't it? We've done a thing. We've all been alive to witness this thing that's never been done before in the history of our Arsenal Football Club. So the first four goals are scored at Hull, away to Hull uh, in the Premier League, a 4-1 win. Our third successive uh, Premier League win. But we talked about that game in some detail uh, on the Arscast Extra on Monday. So we don't need to go over that hugely. But then away from home against uh, Nottingham Forest. First time the teams have met since 1999, which is amazing when you consider just how long it was that Arsenal-Nottingham Forest was a, was a top-flight fixture. And, uh, well, there you go. Just shows you how things can, uh, can change in football. So Nottingham Forest, and we went there in the EFL Cup the cup with no sponsor this season and actually somebody pointed out to me that the Premier League doesn't have a sponsor this season it was the Barclays Premier League and now there's no there's no Barclays just doesn't have a sponsor it's the Premier League Premier League they're so rich they're they're sponsoring themselves anyway we um we went to Nottingham Forest and won 4-0 and Granite Xhaka did like <sighs> It was almost an exact replica of his opening Arsenal goal, the one that made it 4-1 away from Hull, and he did it again against Forrest. He opened the scoring. This time, it wasn't quite as clean. It sort of deflected off a, a defender's back, skidded off the defender's back rather than deflected in any significant way that would confuse the goalkeeper. But the goalkeeper did that annoying thing, didn't he, of getting a hand to it, not being able to keep it out. Now, actually, I prefer if the goalkeeper gets a hand to it to not keep it out, but it just takes something away from the cleanliness of the goal, the cleanliness of the strike. Nevertheless, what a, what a left foot that guy has. What a left foot. And may he keep shooting like that forever and ever and ever. Now, I know they're not all going to go in, but God damn, it's good, isn't it, to see somebody just have a go. 
have a go. It's opened up for you. There's nobody in front of you. The ball's there. You're a professional footballer paid uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds every single month to play football. You should be able to kick it in the reasonable direction of the goal more often than not. Instead, footballers fucking shank them out here, there, and everywhere. So when you've got a guy who can do what he did, just keep doing it. Because it does, whether you like it or not, add some variety to our uh, attacking play. And look, I understand conceptually why you would pass the ball around. I understand the concept of uh, expected goals and and, uh, how it's more likely that you're going to score if you're one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. But look, that takes away just some of the uh, spontaneity and, and genius of football. That's what makes it so great. Seeing a guy smash one in from 30, 35 yards is one of the greatest sights in football. Everyone loves it. Every You can't not love that. It's just it's just fantastic. Um, so I would like Granite Xhaka to, um, to keep doing it. Whether or not Granite Xhaka will play this weekend against Chelsea, I'm not quite sure. We'll have a little bit of discussion about that. But also, um, great for Lucas Perez to get off the mark. I think when Arsene Wenger put him into the team for the Forest game, uh, because there was no Olivier Giroud with his toe injury, um, he would have wanted something like this from a 27-year-old. If you buy a 20-year-old striker, 21-year-old, you you bring him in, you think, well, look, he still has time, he's still learning the game. But a guy who's 27, nearly 28, you want him to kind of hit the ground running a little bit. You don't want it to be a case that he's got eight or ten appearances and he still hasn't scored. Um, so that was really good, really positive. He got off the mark with a good penalty. And then his second goal, look, the defender wasn't brilliant, but that kind of aggression and pace and power up front is fantastic. Um, you know, it's not the kind of goal necessarily that Olivier Giroud could have scored because he doesn't really have the, the, the pace to trouble the defender in the way that Lucas did. He has the strength sometimes. When he feels like it, he can put himself about. But just that ability to uh, to trouble defenders with pace and a bit of power uh, and some persistence as well. It was, it was a persistently annoying goal for Nottingham Forest, I would say. Um, so great to see him get off the mark. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who has had a difficult time. There's no question he's had a really tough time uh, this season. His performances have been underwhelming, you would say. A lot of his decision-making hasn't been particularly great. And even against Nottingham Forest in the first half, he was a bit like, oh, I don't know if this is going very well for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Came to life a bit more in the second half. Certainly in the last 20 minutes, he was really uh, he was really much better. Created some chances. One for Lucas, which I think uh, he should have done better with. Uh, and then he combined with the Spaniard very well to score uh, the goal that made it 4-0 and hopefully that will do his uh, his confidence some good so all in all a very positive night when you add in the fact that uh, Rob Holding played very well uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles didn't look out of place at right back uh, Chuba Akpom uh, ostensibly a striker but being asked to play out on the left hand side he was good effective won a penalty um, you know there were promising signs there and when Arsene Wenger talks about pairings when he talks about midfield duos the fact that uh, Xhaka scored a brilliant goal will catch the headlines. What I liked most was the fact that he uh, he combined extremely well with Mohamed Elneny, and they looked like a duo that could work uh, very well together. But look, to talk a little bit more about the uh, stuff that's gone on this week, uh, to look ahead, of course, to Chelsea, to chat about Olivier Giroud, I'm delighted to welcome to the Arscast for the very first time this season, Philippe Auclair. Hello there. Good morning to you, Andrew. Right, let's let's start uh, with Nottingham Forest in, in midweek in the EFL Cup. I'm not sure exactly how much you saw of it, but in general terms, 
the ability to change your team so comprehensively. Arsene Wenger made 11 changes from the team that beat Hull 4-1 to then go away. I know it's the League Cup and blah, 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 but still the 11 that he put out scored four goals away from home again, played very, very well, and I think there was a lot to be encouraged about from the performance and the result. Yeah, because um, you know, in front of them, Philippe Montagnier hadn't made so many changes as a matter of fact himself. Mm. I think he only changed three players from his own uh, from his own team, um, and also uh, I think I, I was wondering if it was a first that we had an Arsenal um, uh, starting eleven, and I'm, I, I doff my cap to the Arsenal gentleman here, <laughs> where we had uh, three double-barreled named players. True. Which I think only for this reason needs it's an occasion which needs to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Including a Frenchman whom I've never seen play before. The Jeff. Je- the Jeff. Ren Adelaide. Well, what a name. Yes. Jeffrey Queen Adelaide. I mean, that's magnificent. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, um, it, it was a job very, very well done and very good management as a matter of fact of uh, uh, what will be uh, uh, a fairly tasty encounter against Chelsea. And when you see, when you compare it with what Chelsea had to go through at Leicester, which was not easy to say the least... Um, it's quite obvious that it's um, a small advantage, uh, without a doubt, yeah. uh, for the Arsenal before the, the derby. So, I mean, w- when we look at the game and we look at the, the, the way that Arsene Wenger selected his team, obviously this is a competition in which he's blooded youth and he, he did a bit of that. We saw Ainsley Maitland-Niles at, at right back. We spoke about the Jeff. <laughs> Rob Holding was in there. Chuba yep. Akpom got a run out. But he was able to field uh, a midfield duo... Uh, Granit Xhaka and Mohamed El Neni, who cost the you know the the guts of fifty million pounds. He's got a seventeen million pound striker up top. He's got players like Gabriel, uh, Kieran Gibbs, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in there also. So th- it, it feels perhaps this season more than any other that the mix between the young talent and the the experienced players. The experienced players are actually playing for a way to get into the first team rather than just going oh well this is the only chance I'm going to get. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was interested to see Jacques and, and El Neni playing together because I was wondering if that was not a real solution, by the way. Yeah. Um, they were good. Know. They were good. Yes, indeed. And um, well, El Neni, um, after just a few games, looked good last season, um, I, I have to say. I, I always liked him. And as, as to Xhaka, I think it's only a question of uh, days before he starts a game for, for Arsenal. Particularly, I think, against a, a team like Chelsea, where you're going to have um, perhaps a little bit more physical bite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I mean, it, it would make a great deal of sense to, to, to have him in, in, in a starting eleven. So, yes, I must say, uh, on paper, it looks all right. And perhaps the, uh, uh, this, these cobwebs uh, of uh, melancholy that uh, we had at the beginning of the season are starting to be swept away ever so daintily. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that everything is hunky-dory yet. Um, there's still a pro- I think there's still a question as, as to what is happening up front, but uh, for the rest, it could be worse, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. I mean, how do you view the squad? Because obviously the, the transfer window's over and done. Uh, Arsenal spent the, gu- the guts of £100 million pounds in, the, in the summer transfer window. A couple of the signings were late, obviously. Shkodran Mustafi came in late and Lucas Perez yeah. came in late. But, you know, added to Rob Holding, added to Granite Xhaka. 
Um, what's your view of the squad? I mean, I know it's very early and we, we, we don't quite know, and I don't think Arsene Wenger quite knows yet how exactly he's going to put all the pieces of this particular puzzle together. But in mm. terms of how rounded it looks and what, what sort of depth there is and what kind of quality there is, Especially it, when Ramsey will will come back, of course, you know, yeah, very very soon. Yeah, so uh, yes, there there is. Um, I mean, it, it it looks okay to say the least. Um, I was very very pleased with the arrival of Mustafi myself, um, because you know when Pear is back, which of course is going to be in a while, but you'll have you know four very decent um, centre backs and Rob Holding. Actually, what I saw of him, I quite liked. Mm. Um, he, he looked quite composed. Um, you know, he had his moments where it was a bit more difficult, but that's to be expected. It's coming from Bolton. It's quite a different culture. Um, and uh, no, I mean, the midfield, as we know, is absolutely packed with possibilities. Now, the question is to find a, a balance in that. And that's what's been missing so far. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about um, the situation of, um, of Olivier Giroud, for example. Mm. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced, despite you know his um, quite barnstorming performance uh, last week, that Alexis is really at his best and best employed in, in this centre forward position. And um, as to Lucas Perez, um, I don't think it's two goals against Nottingham Forest which can you know possibly tell us well, yeah, he's got it, and you know that's going to be. Uh, so that, that's that's the only question mark that that, that I've got really um, about the team at the moment. Okay, um, well, well, let's let's go through because the, I have these the, the notes written down here, and you've kind of covered three of them there in one oh, sentence. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so so I just want to go back a little bit because um, people we spoke about Granite Jacket, and people have been wondering why it is that Arsene Wenger hasn't been playing Granite Jacket. It feels obviously when you sign a player that you're signing him for four or five years, and you can't make any real judgments in four or five weeks of the season but it feels obviously like he's he's easing him into action but he spoke about Coquelin and Cazorla and he spoke about pairs that work together yep. D- does it feel perhaps to you that maybe he's waiting for the perfect partner uh, for Xhaka maybe he's got his eye on Xhaka and Ramsey playing together and he sees Coquelin yes, and Cazorla a very interesting one very yeah. dynamic yeah. Um, and um, with a uh, and with Ramsey being more of a you know box to box and um, one of those midfielders who surge in the penalty area, which is something which is a bit missing when he's not around. Mm. Um, Jacques Neni is also a pairing which is possible if you want a more defensive-minded um, uh, team. Um, and but remember that this Coquelin uh, Casola uh, partnership uh, he found more or less by chance mm. to start with. Uh, it was because of injuries that suddenly uh, these two were put together and, oh, it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it works. Uh, Coquelin Jacquard, I don't think so, um, because I, unless you want to beat the, the club record in terms of yellow and red cards over a season. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the, the partnerships are, are, are yet to be established. But more importantly, I think the partnerships for me would be, would be up front because we've seen... Um, that's a memory that um, is not really good, which is the um, Oxford Chamberlain, Walcott, uh, Perez, a trio that didn't work at all. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I genuinely do think that we need somebody who can hold the ball up front, please. Okay, well, um, Alexis for you is is not that guy. He, no, he's he, not that guy. It's not. It's not. And I don't think that's where he can hurt people the most. 
Do you feel like he should I, play? I, I would, you know, if we're playing Chelsea, um, and, and I, it will depend because it might be a very different Chelsea with uh, Marco Alonso on the left and, and Aspiliqueta on the right. But if Branislav Ivanovic is on on <laughs> the team sheet, I would love to see uh, Alex on uh, Alexis on the left. Uh, personally, I would love to. Do you feel um, like that's where he's best or where he would be best suited to this Arsenal team? I mean, do you feel like when, when Arsene Wenger is picking Alexis Sanchez up front, he's doing it because he has a specific plan in terms of how he wants his team to play? Or he just feels like, okay, Giroud is sidelined a bit at the moment and we'll, we'll discuss him in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Perez is a bit new. I'm not going to play Theo Walcott there. So Alexis is kind of all I've got. But or, or is it a case that he's trying to do something very specific and we're not sure exactly what it is yet? Well, precisely. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is exactly yet because, um, yes, he, he will score and he has scored in this position as he will score from any position. Um, when Alexis was first used as a, as a number nine, it was very much as an emergency measure, as mm. you will remember. Um, and I would imagine that the reason he's playing there at the moment is because something is not quite right with Olivier Giroud. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, uh, what is not quite right is, I, I must confess, a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, and I, I, I don't think that there is a plan to convert Alexis Sanchez uh, into a, a centre-forward like, uh, let's say, Thierry Henry was converted into a centre-forward. I don't think there's any plan like that. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment it's more a question of making do with... Uh, some players who perhaps, I mean, Giroud, obviously there was an issue with the fitness uh, when he came back. Um, he'd been, you know, working very hard at the, at the Euro and he needed a break and so forth. And obviously there might have been other things, I don't know. Um, but it's a bit of a mystery to me. I don't know if you've got great theories about that, Andrew. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, I agree with you. I don't think we quite know exactly what's going on with, with Giroud because you talk about him being away at the Euros and obviously he was and he worked hard and he put in the big shift for, for France and it, it must have been terribly disappointing for him uh, to have experienced the final the way he did. But Lauren Koscielny's back in the team from the second game of the season. I know there was an element of necessity to that. Yes. Mesut Ozil is back in the team. Pretty much everybody is is back in the team. And you looked at the PSG game, for example, as one which uh, would probably have suited Giroud to start, yeah. uh, given the occasion, given the location, also given the fact that that uh, you know he's a big centre forward who would have helped Arsenal, I think, on, on the night if he'd been playing in that position and playing as well as he can. But he came off the bench, he was frustrated, I think there was an element of bad luck to his, his sending off, but then all of a sudden after that there's a, a toe injury, and I'm yeah. not sure if that's a toe injury or a toe injury you know um, it, de <laughs> it, it definitely feels like there's something going on yes. with, with Giroud that we're not aware of and it's it's a bit difficult to work out exactly what it is because he's obviously a player that Arsene Wenger likes a great deal and has put a great deal of faith in and has defended yes. Uh, yes. hugely. But by but what's the what's the phrase? By your actions, you shall by his actions you shall judge him. And I think if we're looking at the way that Arsene Wenger is treating Olivier Giroud or using or not using Olivier Giroud, it's difficult to escape the conclusion that there's something going on. Yes, and because, you know, toe injury, yes, I can understand, but, um, and they can be really nasty and pleasant. Um, I've had one, um, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't, um, well, play or run for, for about a year 
So that you know, but we're not talking about a fracture here. Yeah, talking about bruising or I don't know, a little cut or um, an ingrown toenail. I don't <laughs> Maybe. know. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's obviously a, a very sensitive toe, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, it puzzles me. And the other thing as well is that you play very differently when you have Giroud and when you don't have Giroud, mm. um, and. To accommodate, if you say, okay, well, Lucas Perez has come in, uh, has shown very good things against Nottingham Forest. It was only Nottingham Forest, but still, he did the job. Um, scored a double, so he must feel confident. We bought him because he thought he was a good centre forward, but he's a completely different type of player, and which means, in a way, rejigging the way that Arsenal um, uh, can, can, can use width, for example. Yeah. When you've got Giroud, you know what to expect. At least you've got a target man. You've also got somebody who is very good at playing in first intention, as we say in French, who, who uses a lot of deviations and flicks to put players into good positions. And also who's got a fairly, whatever people say, fairly uh, phenomenal conversion rate uh, in terms of um, chances created and goals scored, which is something that people tend to forget um, because when he misses one, everybody remembers it. Mm. Um, so it... it it's, it's, a, it's not just a question of, oh, should I use this player or should I use that player? You know, if you compare, for example, um, well, Chelsea and they've got Batshuayi or Diego Costa, are you going to change radically the way you're playing because one or the other? I don't think so. But if you've got Giroud or if you've got Lucas Perez, these are two completely, utterly different types of player. So there has a choice to be made by, by the manager because Arsenal is not the kind of team that can result from one style of play to another style of play very easily, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, from one, from game to game, you've got they, they've always played. They, they tend to play one way, and generally they play the same way throughout the whole season, uh, unless suddenly um, it's a bit more defensive, perhaps like it was two two years ago. But uh, and you need to uh, you need to think about that and and what kind of team you want in the end. I mean, is it that Wenger himself doesn't quite know? what sort of team he has at his disposal because of the fact players came back, you know, late, having had long holidays after the Euro. I mean, we're talking about Giroud, we could talk about Mesut Özil as well, who hasn't quite fired up yet. Sure. So, yeah, work in progress. But the, the satisfaction is that after a pretty dreary opening, uh, at least the results are, are coming. Yeah. And they, they, and they are satisfactory. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And maybe, look, it's, it's a way, I think, uh, what, as you said with Olivier Giroud, everybody knows how Arsenal will play when Olivier Giroud is in the team. They know, yes. not necessarily they can't always combat it, but it's quite easy to think or, or to, to counter Arsenal if you know Olivier Giroud is going to be in the team because this is the way the team is going to play, this is the way they're going to attack, wall passes, etc., etc. Um, mm. But but obviously with Alexis up front, the way that he moves out of position, I suppose uh, creates, or in theory, creates space for wide players to move in there, which Wenger talked about <coughs> with Theo Walcott on the right uh, and maybe Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Alex Iwobi as well on, on the left-hand side. Be, yes, Lucas be, yeah. Perez, I think we saw a little bit of what he can do um, he can actually play off the shoulder of the last defender, 
but he's got the strength and, and perhaps the physicality as well to cause them uh, similar-ish kind of problems uh, to the way that Giroud does, but obviously he does it with, with quite a bit more pace. So I, I do wonder if there's a, either a plan or he's just um, trying not to make the team as predictable as it has been. Um, maybe there's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, there obviously is a plan, or, or rather the plan is being... Uh, put together uh, in in the training sessions. I don't think it's a long-term plan in as much Lucas Perez was, I wouldn't say an afterthought. I'm not saying that the club was not looking at it, mm. but they were looking at other players before they were looking at Lucas Perez. And um, so it was not, uh, oh, we need to get that player because this is the way we want the, you know, the team to progress. This is the way we want our game to evolve. No, I mean, he, okay, um, a, a, a centre-forward was desperately needed, who was available on hardly anybody. Oh, there's Lucas Perez. We quite like him. We'll have him. Uh, I, I simplify and I, I you know, don't want to sound scornful sure. um, with, with us to, to Arsenal scouts. But uh, th- there is an element that things are still um, in suspension to use um, a, a simile from chemistry. And we're waiting for the precipitate. Yeah. And um, the precipitate, um, uh, to me, it's not, still not quite clear exactly what's, what, what is going to happen. Because you, you talk about Giroud and um, the way that the game changes when he's or he's not there. Uh, it's the way you use your white players uh, when Giroud is here, which is completely different. Um, you know, when you have uh, fullbacks uh, like Bellerin and to a lesser extent Natural Montreal, but who are very decent crosses of the ball... Uh, who you know, um, or, or Theo Walcott was very, very quick on one uh, on 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 one flank as well, and and they know they've got Giroud. This is going to be a completely different type of game from the one if you've got Lucas Perez. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and you know, at, at at the moment, we we can't judge by what happened against Nottingham Forest, but um, I I you know you still get the feeling that Arsene is trying to define um, a team that will still look like an Arsene team, um, very familiar. Basically, we have questions at the moment. Do, do you think that we will get um, some answers, perhaps, in the team that he selects for this weekend's game yeah, against yeah, Chelsea? Yeah, because absolutely. obviously, he's had a few weeks now to look at various things. He's been perhaps a bit cautious with some of his team selections. He, he admitted to that when he uh, when we lost the opening game of the season. He said, you have a tendency to to go with what you know has worked. And that's where Coquelin and Cazorla came in uh, for, for a number of games because he knows them and he knows what to expect and he knows how they're going to play. So perhaps it makes it easier to deal with some of the other yeah. uh, indecipherables. Uh, you might say. But this weekend, obviously, against Chelsea, uh, it's a big test for Arsenal, and it's a big test. Obviously, it's a home game against big opposition, having lost on the opening day uh, against uh, Liverpool. The record against Chelsea has not been particularly great down the years. Um, This is a game on which there there is an amount of pressure on Arsenal to perform, particularly at home. So having viewed what he's uh, viewed over the last number of games and seen the way that his team has performed against PSG, against Watford, against Leicester, etc., etc., there should be some clues, or he should have a a better idea of what he wants to do with the players he has at his disposal, and maybe we'll see that uh, when Chelsea come to visit on Saturday. Yes, um, I would also like to think that uh, he will um, he will choose mobility over power uh, up front against Chelsea. So who's that then? Huh. 
<laughs> is that Lucas Perez rather than Alexis Sanchez? Yes, perhaps. Um, or Alexis on the left, um, Perez, Perez in the in the middle. Um, I mean, you want to exploit. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, David Lewis's performance against. Uh, Leicester last night. I didn't. No, no. Uh, it, it was very, very funny, and, <laughs> uh, and and it seemed every every time there was a, a kind of a race between Luis and and, and the centre forward. And, and well, heaven knows the Leicester centre forwards are incredibly quick, but um, um, there was a bit of a problem, shall we say, for Chelsea every time, every single time. So you want you want to use that. Um, and Cahill doesn't look in the form of his life either, and he's not the most mobile of players either. So you would think, you know, mobility around the boxes might be uh, might be good. Yeah. Uh, Matic doesn't look great either. So I mean, you would think that if you try to batter Chelsea, that's not going to work. But if you try to be a bit cuter and a bit quicker, I think quickness, tempo, uh, will be the essence. So you can imagine, yeah. Um, but you know, we're, we're thinking horses for courses here, or I am thinking horses for courses, which is not really a Wenger trait. He will probably base more his team uh, around what he saw, not necessarily last night, or, or sorry, on Tuesday night, but um, what he will have seen on the training ground and the mm. physical state of his players, rather than thinking, okay, this is Chelsea, this is what we should be doing against those guys, which is different from what we've been doing against those guys, because he tends to stick to the same eleven basically all the time. Yeah, and um, so I, I would I would like to think that, that that would be the case, and that little by little, as has been the case in previous seasons, by the way, the the final the the, the, the puzzle falls into place by itself. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Conte is a manager who is renowned for his um, his tactical uh, setup, the way that he sets up his teams uh, to to play against the opposition. Is there perhaps a little bit of an advantage for Arsenal, the, the uncertainty regarding the Arsenal team? It, he's not looking at it going, well, we know okay. he's going to play Giroud up front. We know he's going to do this. We know he's going to do that. He can't maybe figure out exactly how, how Arsenal are going to set up. I mean, would that enter Arsene Wenger's thinking? And, and is this really, a, a, you know, despite the fact Chelsea are obviously a very good side and, and the results uh, have, been, have been pretty good so far this season, it feels like a really good chance to, to beat Chelsea this time. Yes, I mean, I've seen a lot of them this season um, and I was convinced in fits and bursts and unconvinced most of the time. Mm. Uh, I think they played something like three decent halves so far in all competitions, which is not an awful lot. And um, they've shown um, some lack of imagination and um, there are also problems around, around what is Conte's best team in. You can you can sense that there will be big changes in this Chelsea team, but not yet. Yeah, because of injuries, um, you know the fact that Terry was not available. Zuma is obviously a long-term absentee. Uh, all these things. That David Luiz arriving, which obviously throws the uh, furry cat among the pigeons. Uh, <laughs> we have to organise your your defence. So we have two teams which have yet to to find a shape that is completely recognisable. And identifiable, and I don't think the chance we we're seeing at the beginning of the season is the one we'll see in one month, two months' time. So this is a good time, I think, to take them. They 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 have frailties. They have a number of frailties, and they were exposed again uh, in in the League Cup. Uh, they've been exposed in um, in in the league, and if you look more closely at their results in the league, you will see that most of them, when they won, was either somewhat against the run of play, 
or very, very late in the game in circumstances in which, yeah, actually luck played a part. Yeah. Uh, even against West Ham, uh, who are not doing particularly well this season, uh, they were very lucky to take three points. So there, there are frailties to be, um, to be exploited. Uh, they, they were better uh, in the League Cup at Leicester, without a doubt, but with a much changed uh, personnel, and particularly uh, the fact that Fabregas was playing, which should be interesting if yeah. he's uh, the Emirates, uh, yes. my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's probably uh, as good a chance as, as, as Arsenal has had for, for a while. I, I remember the last visit, I think we all remember, pretty dire occasion. Yeah. And I remember how nervous I was before the game and I, I didn't fancy that at all. And I thought, something's going to happen. And it did happen. Um, this time, I think there's, there's more scope for, for, for the Gunners on, on this occasion. Uh, but what the team will look like, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm more uncertain of than I've been for a very long time, which is not a very Arsenal thing to say. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. As you said, it might play a little bit with contest preparation for the game. Uh, it shows, of course, that the team hasn't quite settled, hasn't quite gelled, but it also means that there are options um, yeah. and that there are options to change the game as well as it goes along, even if it's not Wenger's most, well, strongest point. Mm. Um, um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the team sheet would look like. I mean, if you put Jaka, you don't put Jaka, it's already a big difference. Um, do, you, do you take what do you do? You take Coquelin out and put Xhaka with um, Casola. Worked against Watford. Yes. Uh, do you think uh, well, El Nini is security? You know, he's also is a is a very disciplined, very dutiful player. He's got good sense of positioning, and that's important against uh, you know if if per chance you know that you know Fabregas, for example, is playing. You need somebody to close quickly. Yeah. Um, Wow, all these questions, but it's 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 not it's not a usual thing with Arsenal. Um, the the one positive I would say that you feel that there is an, it's an upwards curve at the moment, most definitely. Well, to be honest, judging by the way it started, it could be <laughs> nothing but an upwards curve. Well, look, let's hope it continues on that trajectory. Uh, I think a, a win against Chelsea would go a long way to not just convincing uh, people who have doubts after that opening game, but but certainly the, the players themselves, because it feels a, a bit like there's a, a psychological impact on, on these big games. And if we can put one to bed at home uh, nicely against an opposition like Chelsea yeah. at the start of the season, it'll do us a lot of good. But look, we better leave it there. Thank you as ever, Philippe Auclair. Thank you, Andrew. Fantastic stuff as ever from Philippe. Thank you very much indeed to him. And if you're not following him, you definitely should. I mean, on Twitter, of course, I don't mean that if you see him on the street, you should just follow him. That would be weird and quite disconcerting for him when he noticed you, unless you're really good at staying out of sight like an undercover cop. Just do it on Twitter. It's at Philippe Auclair, at Philippe Auclair. Right now, I'm playing with bingo, 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 bingo. Just to get minutes. Just to get minutes. Bingo. Bingo. Just to get minutes. Just to get minutes. Play anywhere where the boss wants me to play. Just to get minutes. Bingo. 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 Just to get minutes. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right then, let's talk uh, just a little bit about FanDuel. FanDuel is one-day fantasy football, and you can win yourself real, real money. Go to fanduel.co.uk. It is only available in the UK at this moment, so apologies for that for anyone outside the UK, but for those of you inside the UK, you can win uh, actual cash. You can also play for free and win money, but if you want to win the big prizes, you've got to throw a few quid in your account. The plus side of that, though, is if you sign up with the promo code ARSBLOG, they will refund up to £10 if you don't win in your first game, so you get a second chance to play. This week, we are entering the uh, £6,000 fan favourite, top prize there of £600, which is uh, not to be sniffed at. You could buy, like, fucking hundreds of star bars if you wanted. That's what you could do what you want because it's your money. Second prize, £400, then £300, £200, £150. And the top 366 managers all win money in that game. So uh, sign up for FanDuel at fanduel.co.uk. You can download their apps as well for uh, iOS and for Android. All the details are on there. I've picked the team, which, of course, is going to do nothing. Uh, my team is Mandanda, uh, Jose Font, Delaney and McCauley in defense, De Bruyne, Barkley, Capoo and Klukas in midfield and Alexis Sanchez, Troy Deeney and Lucas Perez up front. So um, come on, Arsenal, that would be good. You could win me some money. If you want to play, check it out. Fanduel.co.uk. Sign up with the promo code Arsblog and they will refund you up to £10 if you don't win on your first game. So we play uh, Chelsea this weekend. And because it's Thursday, because it's actually Wednesday when I'm recording this, I don't have a fucking clue what's happening in terms of team news and who's available and who's not going to be available and, and everything else. So we can't really look at it from that point of view. But you wonder, of course, if some of the players who played well against Nottingham Forest on Tuesday night will have forced their way into the manager's reckoning. What more can Granit Xhaka do to convince Arsene Wenger that he's ready to start? Not only is he banging them in from 30 yards, he's playing extremely well in midfield, controlling the game. He's worked well with Santi Cazorla before. We saw that uh, against Watford. Uh, those two worked very well together. And of course, the fact that he played very well with El Nenny, maybe it's a different proposition when you're playing the Chelsea midfield, but you know it looked like it worked. They, they were simpatico. They, they fit together very well, those two. Uh, but Xhaka is certainly a guy who... Uh, is is really banging down the manager's door to say, look, there's a reason you paid £35 million for me. Play me. Play me. 
please. Just, you know, do you want me to bang one in from 50 yards next week? I'll do that and play fucking nine out of 10 game. Will you, will you start me then? Um, but of course, Arsene Wenger, being at home, might be a bit more cautious. He's uh, used Coquelin and Cazorla. And, um, you know, it hasn't been terrible, but I think he feels it works better than most other people feel it works um, against a team like Chelsea. Could we be a bit more dynamic in midfield? Could we take a couple of risks? Coquelin could also be a guy to come off the bench, for example, if we want to if we want to help shore up the game if we're ahead. Up front, it feels like it's probably going to be the three that played against Hull with Alexis, uh, Iwobi, and, and Theo Walcott on the right hand side. But has Lucas Perez done enough to maybe? Uh, force his way into the manager's reckoning. Would we be better playing a centre-forward that could really trouble the two centre-halves, whereas Alexis is kind of going to drop off, isn't he? They won't go with him and they'll sit deep and that might be a good way for them to defend against us. Anyway, the manager's got plenty of thinking to do uh, about what kind of team he's going to put out and, you know, it's a good problem for him to have when players like Xhaka, like El Elneny, like Lucas Perez, have given him really something to think about. If they're challenging the established order, if we we take that 11 that played against Hull as the so-called first 11 at this moment in time, it's good that these guys are giving him something to think about. So we'll wait and see. But look, we are going to be, as I said, James and I, in New York. Uh, we're going to be watching the game in the Barleycorn, which is in Park Place, New York. It's downtown a bit, I think, near Wall Street somewhere. You can Google map it. They have this incredible uh, feature now where you can just put in the name of a place and it shows you where it is. It's revolutionary. Uh, that's where we're going to be watching the game on Saturday and on Sunday around lunchtime I think probably around 1 o'clock we're going to do the live recording of the Arsecast Extra if you want some more details uh, check out at Arsenal NYC on Twitter or facebook.com forward slash Arsenal NYC they have all the details about how and when you come along to that thing um, hopefully we'll be celebrating a very good Arsenal win that would make for a, a fantastic mood and a very entertaining podcast I'm sure uh, no doubt Diego Costa will do something that will make us uh, crazy mad and get away with some terror and nastiness. But hopefully uh, this is a big game which Arsenal turn up uh, where we keep this momentum going and we all have something to celebrate. So um, that's, I mean, that's really about it for this week's uh, show. I don't know what else to say. Hopefully we'll be seeing some of you in New York City, um, in the barley corn. Uh, I guess we'll be on Twitter as well. If you need any more information, uh, you know where to find us. I'll do my best to answer any questions I can. Data roaming etc notwithstand data roaming i looked up how much it cost uh, to turn on data roaming when i'm in the united states and i would need to win FanDuel, and i would need to win the euro millions and the irish lottery and the powerball lottery and whatever else fucking lottery and then i'd need to inherit a billion tons of gold just to turn my phone on uh, the data for about two minutes so i'll, I'll have to sort something out over there uh, maybe get a different SIM card. But look, I'll be on uh, and we'll figure it out. So hopefully see some of you in New York. We will have the Arsecast Extra for you uh, as ever. It'll be available for you on Monday. I shouldn't uh, point out, I guess, that given the time zones and, you know, all that kind of stuff, the time of the blog might be a bit affected by that. So five hours behind so I'm not going to get up at two o'clock in the morning just to give you a blog really early but uh, I'll do my best you never know there might be some late night drunken blogging who knows I'm open to everything 
it's the city that never sleeps, so maybe I won't sleep either. We'll we'll wait and see, and uh, who knows what crazy stuff will come out of the laptop if that happens. But just to give you a fair warning, uh, the time schedules will be a bit uh, up in the air. Uh, so look, uh, that's just about that. Uh, talk to you on the Arsecast Extra on Monday, and of course on next week's Arsecast we'll have had Champions League action, I think, next week. Is there? I should look all this stuff up before I start saying goodbye. And that. I think there is Champions League action next week. So another game for uh, David Ospina uh, against FC Basel. Isn't that lovely? So look, we'll have lots to talk about, lots to discuss, uh, and I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, take it easy. Thank you as ever for listening. Bye-bye. Hello, Harry. Oh, hello, Telly. How are you today? I'm not so good, Telly. My ankle really, really hurts. Do you know what makes me feel better, Harry, when my ankle or something hurts? What's that then, Telly? I like to suck my thumb. Have you ever tried it? Have I? I love sucking my thumb, but my mum, she's put these mittens on my hands and I can't get my thumbs, Telly! <laughs> uh, they're not mittens, Harry, they're, they're your socks. You've put your socks on your hands again, haven't you, Harry? Oh, <laughs> where will I ever learn? <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 